Good morning, everybody. I'm reading Mark 9, verses 2 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to, to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is so good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This, my son, the beloved, listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down through the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The word of the Lord. In the Zen Buddhist tradition, there is a cone that centers on two monks wandering in the mountains. As they walk, one of the monks pauses and says to the other, right here is the summit of the mystic peak. To which the other responds, indeed it is, what a pity. Now I've been thinking about this story a lot. And on this last Sunday of the season of the Epiphany, it's the story that resonates even as I read the Gospel of Mark in its depiction of the Transfiguration. Like that Zen cone, today we find Jesus wandering the mountains. With him are Peter and James and John, and it is these disciples who witness the flash of brilliance where Jesus is revealed, robed all in untarnishable white, shining like the sun. In so many ways, this story should be the climax of Mark's Gospel. It's the moment where Jesus' divine spirit shines forth, and at the mystic summit of a mountaintop, is exposed in all his godly glory. If, as is often the case, our intention in reading scripture is to clearly see who God is, then surely this moment is the culmination of the good news. God, in all his glory, seen clearly by those who love him best. For me, I can't help but think that as we read this passage and allow ourselves to see through the eyes of Peter, James, and John, the more appropriate response to the story of the Transfiguration is actually, what a pity. In last week's Gospel, we see Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law. We see him performing miracles and receiving acclaim from all who witness his power and his authority. Yet shortly after, we find him going off to a quiet place, all alone, even as multitudes gather to revel in his glory. And soon after, 
he returns to the path and journeys forward. This passage should inform how we receive today's gospel. Today our lectionary has moved us past a vast swath of Jesus' ministry. We skip the feeding of the 5,000 and also a crucial interaction between Jesus and his disciples, which precedes the transfiguration event. You see, in Mark 8, Jesus asks his followers, Who do people say that I am? To which they respond, They say that you are Elijah or one of the great prophets, but we say that you are the Christ. In response, even in affirming this answer, Jesus reveals the continued ignorance of his disciples. While they proclaim their teacher as Christ, they don't truly know what that proclamation means. Today's gospel follows in the wake of this testing conversation, and in it we find an account of Jesus at the peak of a mountaintop, looking every bit the part of the divine king, surrounded by those same great prophets referenced by so many in attempting to explain who Jesus is. And as we see this, we're tempted to respond, yes, this is what we've been waiting for. This is who Jesus is. This is our God. Although we know the sacrifice that comes after, we know all of the hardship to come. This is our God. Yet as Peter insists that they pause and build shelters for their holy teacher and these great prophets, Jesus is silent as if confused. And at this very moment, the voice of God rings out, This is my Son, the Beloved. Listen to him. While we often read this as a beautiful affirmation of Jesus' identity and divine status, I want us to consider today that it is in fact another timely rebuke of Peter's failure to comprehend what he is being told and shown. In the Transfiguration event, Peter, James, and John see Jesus as they would like him to be. They see him clothed in majesty and above all of the other great prophets. And in their haste to build tabernacles, it's as if they're proclaiming, it is just as we said. We knew that this is who you are, Jesus. Hallelujah. But today, I want to direct us instead to the words of a Buddhist monk when offered a similar sight of glory. I want to refer us to that phrase, what a pity. You see, all too often, I fall into the same trap as the disciples in Mark's gospel. I want Jesus to look like, sound like, act like, and be what I want him to be something simple and straightforward that I can grasp and comprehend. A deity I can worship because I see in him the blinding glory of God's light. 
I want to forget about the painful journey, the struggle to the mountaintop, the fullness of who God is and how God allows us to experience the divine on the path and in the wilderness just as much as on the mountaintop. But at the close of this season of Epiphany, I hope that so much more is revealed to us than that. I hope that we can climb past our desire for God to be just one thing, one bright and shiny object that can wash away all of our doubt and despair and suffering and grappling in the dark for something sure to hold on to. Because what a pity if God were just some dazzling, immovable figure surrounded by saints. This week, rather than celebrate the transfiguration, I hope that we can read on to Mark's words that suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. Only Jesus. The Jesus who then steps forward and calls his followers to journey down the mountain and get back to the crucial work at hand. My hope as we close this season of Epiphany and we enter into the period of preparation marked by Lent is that each time we're tempted to remain fixed on the certainty and finality of a static light shimmering transfigured Lord on the top of a mountain, we might instead hear the echo of a dusty, travel-weary monk uttering, what a pity. What a pity it is that we might crave such a small, simple, and inflexible image of God. And may that remind us of the magnitude and unknowable beauty of a God who is more than a singular idea of blinding holiness. And may we follow that carpenter, healer, son, teacher, brother, miracle worker, laborer, and savior down the mountain, back to the hard journey where the work of redemption reveals God as God truly is. Amen. The Prayers of the People Let us pray for the Church and for the world. Grant, Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.
Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours, and grant that we may serve Christ in them, and love one another as he loves us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles, and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We commend to your mercy all who have died, that your will for them may be fulfilled. And we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now let us pray using the words that Jesus himself taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you this day and forever. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's at this point that we're going to cut our Facebook live stream, and, but we will continue online via Zoom, uh, where we have, for always, uh, enjoyed a conversation about what was heard in the sermon or in the readings or what might be going on in the world or what people bring in their hearts. If you would like to join us for that conversation, uh, in the next uh, slide, you'll find the information, uh, the Zoom ID to join us, and we hope you do so. Have a great day.